It's great to have you all here with us tonight. Me and my friends are here to help you with your relationships. We've uh, done four weeks on uh, God-centered, Christ-centered, proper love relationships, trying to unpack that for you guys. We've talked about, Pastor Corey kicked us off a couple weeks ago with a message called This Is Love, and it was a look of, of, of the author and the definer of love. What kind of soil is our love rooted in? Powerful word. Um, I preached on marriages looking at marriages as this, uh, as this reflection of the gospel, as we are a community marked by mutual love and submission one to another. My man, Pastor Tellus, gave an enfuego word on, <laughs> on singleness. We're bilingual tonight. We're going bilingual, yeah. Um, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. If we have a clear vision of ourselves and of God, if we don't come to our relationships with a half-full heart, but a heart that's full of Christ's love, then we can't lose. That we can't lose. And my brother, Pastor Jermaine, brought us in last week with a word on friendships. Marked and defined by mercy allows us to walk in right relationship as a friend. Not to do friendship, but to be a friend. Jermaine, one of my oldest friends on this stage. And I'm so glad to have with us a touch of grace tonight, a touch of wisdom in my friends, Christine Wilkins, who is over our singles ministry here at Grace, and you all know and love Pastor Tiffany. They're going to help us fix the things that we didn't get because we come with one mind as men. They're going to course correct, you know. Uh, you know, those of us who are married know our wives help us get back, get back on track. A great job with that. A very good job with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was like threading the needle a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> trying to, man. Yeah. Um, hey, but this night uh, we're here for you guys too. So in the chat, if you're watching live, uh, there's a QR code or a link, or you can go to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O, and just type the code 8080 in, and you will see our live Q&A uh, popping up right there. So there's a couple things that you can do if we're talking and a question comes to mind, you can go right there, drop your question in. I'll see it up here on my laptop. We're going live Q&A tonight. If you see a question on the list that you really want answered, go ahead and like it. That'll start to bump those questions up to the top of the list, and we will know what's most pressing on your minds tonight. So maybe take a look through the questions first and see if your question's been asked or a similar one, and go ahead and like it or drop your questions in the chat, and we're going to dig into it. Okay, I think I did the admin. Corey, am I good? You're fantastic. Did I leave anything out? I think we're good. Okay. So let's get into it, man. So we had, um, you, you kicked us off with the theme of love. I did. Yeah. First at bat. Yeah. You tried hard. It was. I tried. So it was like a, <laughs> it was, it was. You swung uh, for the fences. Yeah. I, well, I swung, I swung for the fences. I think I, I, I got a single. Barely. No, no. You got a, <laughs> you got a robust. No, you, you crushed this message. And I think, you know, what, what helps all of us, I mean, part of the reason we asked you to go first was we wanted you to lay the table for us that we could all just build off of. And I noticed as I listened back to the messages, the same themes were coming through that really began in your message of, of how we're, we are now defined differently because we've experienced God's love, a true love and a real love. Um, and you said something just before uh, we started tonight that we each need to maybe ask ourselves, what has my love been defined by? Help me with that. Yeah, I think um, for so many of us, we live in a, a culture where we hear the language of love as a feeling and follow your heart. And um, it's, it's, it's almost like these are, this is the banner, this is 
Uh, this is the anthem of our culture. And it is, uh, starts at a very young age. It's in Disney movies. Everywhere you go, you are to follow your heart. Um, and for so many, all they have is their emotions and their feelings. Therefore, they're a runaway train. Mm. That's all they are. And um, because there's nothing else to guide and to guard and to lead. And it's almost like they're on this conveyor belt of emotion that's going to lead to the bus off sin. Mm. And it's only a matter of time. And um, St. Augustine said that uh, there's an inward curve of the human heart. All of us take everything about life and we lead it to ourselves for our own success. Mm. And, um, and so that's, that is why this series is so important is because this is the language of our day. And the hope that we try to extend is that there's a greater love that's out there, that Jesus actually is the embodiment of love that now has been extended and offered and now is, is that which awakens us to real love. Yeah. That now we can actually love those around us, and even including ourselves, because of the reality of Jesus Christ, yeah. that now we have both received and ultimately give. Yeah. No, and that's so big. And one thing I got from your message, other than that you are addicted to cutting down trees. That is yeah, true. we got to talk about that. <laughs> I got problems, man. <laughs> he kicks us off with, I have <laughs> a confession thank, thank to you. make. <laughs> getting us way off topic here. Let's get us back on track, please. <laughs> right, exactly. Begging you. And, uh, which I love. I mean, if I ever. No, I'm serious. My, my, my wife has a 60-day no-cut zone. Are you past house. that now, or are you still in the middle? I'm on day 35. He's failed. Day 35. He's in the middle. <laughs> I'm in the middle. This is my fasting. We all know the truth. This is Lent. You failed already. Have you yeah. held to it, though? Well, I, I'm cutting down other people's trees, uh, not my own. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like Finding neighbor, a way right? to get around you found a loophole. the letter of the law. You found a loophole. I'm st- I got uh, many said, loopholes. And he, I've got a couple question. buddies that I'm calling. Can I please cut down your Can trees? I, I'm begging you. I will pay you to cut down your trees. <laughs> And that's kind of what you brought up in your in your message. Are you saying there you had that neighbor who had those trees and in this beautiful analogy of these tall what pine trees, right? These tall pine trees that that are supposed to and meant to grow big and large and ended up having shallow soil, so they tipped over before you even got there, right? And so you had this beautiful explanation of what soil are we steeped in. And I wonder what makes a good soil and what makes a bad soil. That's a great question. Oh, first question. I love it. Oh, yeah. Are we yeah, allowed to? Yeah, I let's just... do it. Of course you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I, makes I good think, soil? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think um, self, we're, I mean, we're told that the soil you create is the perfect soil, right? Like you are to go out and find your own soil, what you want, what you desire, yeah. what you feel like is best for you. And it's all centered around me. It's all centered around what I want. And that is not a self-giving love. That is a self-imposed love. Like I'm imposing my will on you. And you better do what I want you to do or I'm going to leave. And then what we have is we we have a world full of dictators. Wow. Like a world full of dictators where I'm going to abuse you. I'm I'm going to take advantage of you. And then I'm going to leave. I'm going to take what I want from you. And that is what we call love. That is the soil that, that we live in. And what Jesus came to do is he came to offer a self-giving soil, right? Uh, what, that which, which now is not about me. It's about how can I lay down my life for your good? Yeah. 
And that becomes this soil that is that defines who we are as people, defines our marriages, defines our singleness. And that that is the soil that we can go both kind of wide and deep in by constantly, not just a one time, you know, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, but a, a daily going back to the soil of who, who Jesus is and being defined by that yeah. on a present tense. Right. And it seems like a lot of us need to be redefined. Because we've grown up like Hallmark and Disney yeah. and movies in Hollywood, right? Ryan and Gosling. Dash, and a dash of Ryan Gosling charm. <laughs> I love that. A little I love dash that. of Ryan. I just love the thought of Corey at his laptop writing the sermon going, what I had to make, put in Ryan Gosling. What would make a perfect love? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was watching a movie. So I, my daughter was watching. I'm like, I need to put in Ryan. Uh, yeah, were you watching daughter. or your daughter watching? Because the story is <laughs> just me. He's a good actor. <laughs> He's a good actor. No, Moving on. So with that, like being redefined, I think is so big because if you think about it, like who has taught us love? Yeah. It's been culture. Yeah. And if we look at the examples of love and culture, they're not good. They're not. And we see failure after failure. And I wonder what's it going to take for us to, to get to the tipping point of where we no longer take what's being given to us, but we receive something differently. And I think you proposed something beautiful for, I mean, friendships, for marriages and for singles, that that's kind of the diving board, which we need to jump off of is redefining the, 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 the love that's been defined to us. Right. No, that's so good. I'm I'm wondering Pastor Tiff's thoughts. I, I hear her o- over there going, so good, so good. This is so good. So it's so good. I I think that in life, we when something no longer serves the purpose that it once served, we discard it, mm-hmm. and um, we look at the, the divorce rate and we wonder like, right. why are so many people getting divorced because they're falling out of love yeah. Yeah. instead of standing in the commitment that love is. And that is modeled by Jesus making a commitment when we were still sinners. Yeah, right. And, Christ died. And I have a question for when Kazine and I being the singles on the stage. How do you stay in love? I know that's like the biggest question ever. Like, <laughs> hey, solve marriage for me real quick, right? Give me two minutes. But, awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> but what, what does that really look like, right? So if I've been in relationships and then or you've been in a marriage how do you stay in love when maybe those feelings do fade? Like, are you just supposed to be like, oh, I'm miserable now, but I'm miserable and I'm married, so I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. How do you do that, Pastor Jermaine? <laughs> I'm just We're kidding. Playing hot potato. <laughs> Tell me, please. You've been married longer than me. No, I mean, no. I mean, well, the way you phrased the question was that when the feelings fade, my feelings haven't faded, so I can't really answer the question. Come ah, on. slam dunk, <laughs> home run, T-ball, Jermaine, home check, run. check, my, box. My love has only grown, I mean, it's grown so Oh, it's my so goodness. Much. When you go home tonight, oh, mm, when yeah, you go home tonight. Trees, right? That's, that's, how, <laughs> my God. that's how you stay in love. Right? Hey, <laughs> hey, listen. That's exactly, he just modeled it for you. <laughs> That's a great, I mean, legit, I mean, it's hilarious, but you're very, you're very true because the way we talk about our spouse, the way we think about our spouse will directly affect the way we, we treat our spouse. Mm. And so if we're going to spend all day long complaining about my spouse 100%. and go home and just see the same thing, right. I mean, th- th- there's no hope in that, right? Like your thoughts are connected to what you, what you speak and what you speak is what you begin to believe and what you believe is what you act on. And so if you're going to just say, I'm stuck in this hopeless situation, my wife never this, my husband never that, blah, 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 you're creating a re, uh, 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 what's it called, a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically, yeah. that you are creating the reality in which you're going to live in yeah. because that's what you're speaking. 100%. So maybe if you want to redefine your relationship or redefine your marriage, maybe you, 
you start speaking different words. Wow. I've heard uh, someone say before, atmosphere sustained creates culture. And what culture do you want in your life as it relates to your spouse, as it relates to your relationship? And it is. It's everything that you think, and it's directing your thoughts the opposite. What did you say in your sermon? You said uh, when you, if you want to do something, you should probably do the opposite if you want yes, to keep yes, Like yes, it's right. the same. Whatever your instinct is to yes. do, it's probably wrong because your sin nature is bent wrong. Right, so so when your husband lets you down, your instinct is to what? It's probably to say something. It's probably to, yes. it's probably to jump in. Or when my wife lets me down, it's to react. Yes. And the whole point is like, that's that's almost always going to be the wrong thing to do. And if you're not operating in self-control, if you're not filtering those reactions through the gospel, through Christ's love for you, which is right. again everything. I mean, we're probably going to do this like 20 oh, times okay. tonight, but we're going to reference you as the love of Christ. You're going to be <laughs> just our place for so. Yeah. Congratulations. A, yeah. Do it. But, but, it, but, it, but it does, right? I can react harshly to my wife, or I can remember that, that God never reacts harshly to me. So good. And that's my decision point. And you just make a decision. And that, that, that really sustains even during seasons where the spark is kind of gone. Yeah. And because I think for, I mean, I've been married for 19 years, and I can Shoot. speak on behalf for people who have navigated <laughs> seasons where um, there's been some real challenges. Yeah. And, and people have, like, like, you're battling, you're fighting for your, for just to make bills, and, you're, and you've got, you got kids, and you've got internal challenges, and, and you're hurting, and you're extending that hurt onto the one that you love the most. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's real life, right? I mean, that's, that's the reality of every marriage yeah. that will ever, and I, I know, I know for you that, like, like we, we've, we've all gone through that, but I think what... In looking back, and even this series, it's helped me rediscover the beauty and the power and the hope and the glue of the love of Jesus upon my marriage. Yeah. Yeah. That, that even when I haven't been lovable, my wife has loved me, and that is an extension and expression of Jesus. And the fact that, that, he, that, that yeah. he has never, like, we have a God who will not give up on us. And that yeah. is now the fuel that allows for my wife and I, Heather Bendix and Corey Bendix, to continue to push, push forward into the future. So this is a perfect setup to our first question that I want to ask you guys. I'll leave this one open, although it's a, it's a question about uh, your spouse. So uh, I am curious. I got this thoughts. one. Yeah, you want to yeah, take it? Okay. I got so it. You got it. Um, but it's right on this theme. I mean, you, we're, we're right in the pocket here. Uh, how do we lovingly confront sin in a spouse without being judgmental? Right. And so what are we saying? Essentially, the whole question, the setup is when my spouse offends me, upsets me, fails to meet my expectations, in other words, sins either against me or against God or has some habits or behaviors, how do I confront that? You know, your spouse is this is supposed to be this relationship of trust and of mutual love and affection. And yet there's also a place, I think, for accountability. But how do you do that without, you know? Step, stepping across a line or damaging or how do you maintain the trust? So, Yeah, well, I, this it? is going to sound funny. My wife does this to me all the time and in a, really, in, in a, in a way that I really admire. And this is why I, I, I say that, is that um, she, uh, when I, I, ha- I tend to have an attitude or um, be j- j- loud uh, or re- just I react to certain things. And when... She observes when she sees when she um, when she when she picks up on something. She, with humility, with a good attitude, 
and without trying to pick a fight, nor with it being re- kind of a reactive experience. She presents something, and she is patient with me even when I don't respond well. Mm. And, um, but then what I, I, what, what I know about my wife is every morning she prays for me. I watch her pray for me. And so she gets on her knees, and she prays for me and for our, for our kids. Wow. I watch it. And so I know that when she is presenting something to me in regards to adjustment and correction, that it's not being done out of accusation or reactivity, but there is, there is a background and a foundation of prayer she hears from the Lord. Mm. And so I've got to trust that. It's good. And, and then she's flexible even when I don't wow. respond well, which I at times don't. Now, I know Marcus has never sinned. Never. Because he's my, he's my friend, and I believe he's actually watching at home. Baby, Lie. So I got your back. Lie, Marcus. <laughs> but said his he, friend, yes, not yes, his says, wife. Yes, hey. said his friend. Marcus, <laughs> shout Where out you to at, Marcus Fields. I didn't say that. He did. I said it, Marcus. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> but in the off chance he that he never were sins. To, what does that look like? So what when, I've when it's learned, your husband, I think there's even another dynamic, right? Yes, it's because it's very touchy. So without exposing, you calling us touchy? But uh, okay. So uh, what I what I would say is, if it's especially if it's coming from a wife to a husband, um, when things are not tense, when there's no argument happening, when he has a full stomach, when he's gotten a good night of sleep. When the kids didn't wake him up five times a night, when there's a moment and it's just you and him and things are good. Don't make it bad, but when they're good, just say, could I share with you some things that are on my heart? And he has an opportunity to say yes or no. And if he says yes, say, you know, there's this one thing that I've noticed that you do, and every time it happens, I feel like fill in the blank. And it's not, you're not accusing him, you're not saying you do this and you're that and you're that. Say, I'm having, I'm really feeling scared, or I'm feeling worried, or it really does this to me. Can you help me with that? And you are appealing to the covering that God has given you, as opposed to coming for him, um, and that's really, it changes the way that he responds, at least for me, for in my marriage. That's beautiful. You're saying pick, pick your spots, which is such a big one. I mean, how many of your arguments are because you picked a bad time yeah. or you reacted in a moment yeah. and there's just no chance? But I think there's something powerful in that is you pick a moment where there's an opportunity for a conversation. And then, I mean, the way you presented that is you step into that as his teammate. You're, you're, you're not going into that accusatory, with condemnation, with frustration, so you've checked yourself, right? <laughs> Which is, let's be honest, like usually when we have to confront, it's because we feel some kind of way about it, but you pick your spots, self-control. Yeah. Um, so Pastor Corey's message, this is love. He talked about love being something that's marked by self-sacrifice. Uh, he who has the source of love wins. I love the analogy of just grabbing the hose, and it's like if we can grab on to the source of love in our life, mm-hmm then we're going to win, which kind of goes in to your message, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, um, which you had so many. We, we, you know, we were talking before this 
pan the roundtable tonight, and we're like, there's just gems after gems after gems in Pastor Tellus's message, and it's really not for singles. There's so much in there about your identity, your self-worth, how you hold what God gives you. If he's given you a gift, understand that that's a gift. Right. Your singleness might be a gift, yeah. right? And, and um, man, I could, I could keep going, but um, there's a lot of questions in here, uh, and maybe I'll just throw you one uh, real quick, but it's... But, Let's hear it. Um, uh, oh, where'd it go? This is you do live panels and then people add questions. They disappear. Oh, here's a quick one. Where did Pastor Tellus get his shoes? We'll check that one off. These ones, Adidas, what was I wearing when I preached the message? I have no idea. <laughs> I, th I think they're talking about those because they're Okay, great. They're, yeah, these are Adidas. They're orange. These are nice, man. Hey, appreciate Here, it. They're bright. Marcus Field shoes right there. I got it. Uh, I got it. Marcus <laughs> Field shoes. You're going to end up on preachers and sneakers. <laughs> I found it. I found they're it. They're not that expensive. It. Sneakers and preachers. Um, how do you have godly standards in dating without feeling judgmental? So how do you set boundaries? And Christine, I'd love to hear your thoughts next on this too. But how do you uphold godly standards and have a conversation with somebody that wants to date and say, hey, I've got some boundaries yeah. without being like, I've got some boundaries. Right. right? How mean, do you navigate that? Yeah. No, it's – I'm not going to negotiate – Elon Musk is not going to negotiate the price of a Tesla with me. Why? Because he knows the value. And so when I try and negotiate a price, it's because I don't understand the value of something. And when we feel uncomfortable negotiating our price or having too high of standards, I honestly think it's because we don't know our value. And we have to know our value before we engage with somebody else. And I, I, I really do believe that that value has to come from Pastor Corey's message. It has to come from knowing what love is and knowing our value that we have been so deeply loved. So we accept a love and, and express a love in the same way. It's, I really think it, do, it, it comes from not imposing that onto somebody else to say, you need my standards, right. but these are my standards, and I don't accept a price lower than that. I'm not sure if um, Christine has something else that yeah. she might want to No, that's, that's actually really good. Um, it's, when you have standards, you definitely don't want to go below, and I love that you pointed that out in your message because I think that too many people compromise these days. Too many people, um, they're like, well, I can't this person, this guy, this, this woman is not coming or I can't find them. So let me just scratch this off my list. Okay. I'll take this person, you know? And so it's, it's, you're, you're not balancing. And I think if you keep your standards, the person that you're supposed to be with will find you that person, God will send that person to, to you. Um, and I love the fact that pastor Corey brought up about love and how we need to find, if we know who we are in God. And I mean, he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a, the cross for us. I mean, that's not a cheap gift, right? Come that's, on, that's good. That's expensive. That's good. So good. why would you go any less than that? Like mm -hmm. knowing who you are in Christ yeah. is what matters. And then you, you, you said at the end of that, don't lower your standards, strengthen your patience. So good. Yeah, you need to walk me through, like what is that from a practical side yeah. from a single person who is 18 right. to 28? What does it look like? Or 38. Or 38. Or 48. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, 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 that's exactly yeah. right. I, I, that's fantastic. Uh, like, yeah. what does it look like in the midst of, of the fire of waiting? What does it look like to ultimately strengthen your patience and what prevents you from doing that? Yeah. No, I, I think that's because it's way easier said than done, right? Like, that, that's a really it, good I mean, point. it preaches really easy and lives really, really hard. Exactly, right? exactly. And I think it's because willpower has stamina. Right. That's right. So the longer that we hold something back, the weaker it's going to get. 
oftentimes. And so if I, <laughs> the first day of not eating sweets is super easy. Once I do that for a while, and then all of a sudden I'm around other people who are eating sweets, it, it can get more difficult. And with patience, I think it really is that, it's that long suffering that's part of love. And it comes with a goal in mind. I'm not patient for the sake of being patient, and I'm not withholding something because I want this, this weird form of asceticism that God's going to be pleased with me because I'm almightily religious. Um, and I think it has to come from a complete and whole understanding of a full heart. When I really think that when we lower our standards, we are, it's like we're fishing. If we fish with cheap bait, we're going to catch cheap fish. And My when Lord. we do that, that's going to cause more fish to be attracted to the bait that we're putting out. And if I, if I continuously switch up my bait for the fish that I see around me in my pond, I'm only going to catch those fish. Wow. And I'm not wow. going to catch the fish that ultimately I feel like I'm called to have. And, and whatever, we, whatever we catch them with, we're going to keep them with. So if I catch somebody in a relationship with my body, I'm going to keep them with my body. Right. If yes, I sir. catch somebody right. in a relationship with my money, I'm going to keep them with my right. money. And if I catch somebody in a relationship by my service and by my love for God, what's going to keep them? Right. So. I really think that that patience, it's it's like what you said, it's so easy and and powerful to preach. And I I think it's true. And it's incredibly difficult to live out. And I don't want to undergird any of that without saying that the Holy Spirit has to give us that patience. Yeah, that's great. That is not, it's it's not a willpower. That willpower is going to fade. And that fruit of the Spirit has to be within us for us to complete that. And I was just going to say, like, practical ways to build your patience. You know, patience is like a muscle. I say the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And um, little ways that you can increase your patience is when you're sitting in traffic and you're upset that you're not where you need to be. Pray in tongues, because when you get married, you're going to need that patience. Promise you that. (laughs) Um, And, you know, when someone at work is driving you crazy and on your last nerve, send them flowers and exercise your patience. Um, because when it comes to holding fast to the standard, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work in your favor because you will have built the muscle in these little small places. That's great. So our, my singleness is training me for my marriage. Yes. That's yeah. it, man. 100%. Everything that you're – yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I completely agree. You want to definitely also use your resources. So your community, when you're feeling right. a certain way, reach out to somebody. Right, right, right. Praying always, and as Pastor Brett says, read your Bible every day. There's always something that will jump out at you for that day. So I encourage you, use your resources. That's your community. If you don't have community, um, start There's searching. one here. <laughs> there's a singles there's, community, there's a community that you here. lead. Here, listen. Yeah. This, yeah. this, this thought is so good, I assume it was in your message. But just because you're single doesn't mean you have to be alone. Yeah. Right? That's and just right. you can be single yeah. but surrounded by people. Okay, I've got rapid fire for Christine and Tellus. Ooh, you ready? All right. I got four quick questions. Got I want four quick answers. Str- okay, quick. All right, here we go. My forte, quick. Yes. Y'all know that. Is it? <laughs> I've got a 42-minute answer coming from Pastor <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christine, is it okay to have a boyfriend that's not saved? Uh, no, it's not Okay. Um, the word tells us to be to not be unequally yoked, and that can take many forms. But if you all are not believing the same things, then it's going to be difficult for you to agree. Mm. Pastor, tell us: Is it sinful to date if you know you're not going to get married? Uh, <laughs> follow uh, up. Wow. Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is there a follow up? Answer first, and then I'll. And then I'll is it follow. sinful to date? It's no- sinful to date, knowing you're not going to get married. Uh, what's the point? Is it is it sinful to go into the mall with no money? 
No, but it makes no sense. Ah. It's is it sinful? No, but like, is it? Right. Does it make why sense? You, why, why would exactly? you do that? Right. It's not beneficial. It, you're window shopping. Sinful? No. Wise? No. No. Right. And I think that's the differentiation right. because it again it goes back to this thing. I do this for what reason? Right. For sure. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get pleasure from it. Oh yeah. Which right. means what I'm using this person for my pleasure, which means right. what I'm I, they, I'm not valuing them. With Absolutely. equal worth, yeah. as I value myself. Yeah. So I, this Im- this person that is created in God's image, so is a tool for me to get pleasure from, and when I'm done with them, I'll discard them. Yeah. Right. It's the dictator thing. Yeah. Like you, Absolutely. like we, are, we are creating a culture of dictators through this perspective and this, 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 this tidal wave of dating, that we are, we're doing it because we are lonely and we're desperate, and we're, I'm going to use you for my own, own good. Right. It's that selfishness versus selflessness, right? It's yeah. That what, what are we doing? And if I could add a – sorry, your question. You can keep asking. Uh, yes. Great. I had a, yeah. If I could make a Go comment. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I had one comment about the question that you asked Christine mm-hmm. about because I think that's a big thing is, is if I'm a believer and they're not, what do I do? If I really like them, if they're really kind, if they're interested in going to church, the whole thing. And the question I always ask myself is – why would I engage in a relationship with somebody if my, one of my main intentions is to change them, mm. right? So if I'm going into a relationship wanting to change something inherently about somebody, yeah. it seems like a false motivation to get into that relationship. Mm. And so if we're trying to figure out if we should date somebody who is a believer who's not, I agree with everything Christine said. And on top of that, what is the motivation? Because if I want to date this person and they're not a believer, I want to change something inherently about them. And going into a relationship wanting to change something about somebody seems unwise to yeah. me. Yeah, I've heard it said you can't date somebody into the kingdom. So yeah, you have good. to be careful about who you're, you decide to be in relationship with. All right, back to rapid fire. Yep. Thoughts on dating apps. Ah. Good idea. Slippery slope. I love that question. Slippery I love it. Such slope. a good question. Thank you yeah. for asking that question. I have, I have done premarital and married probably as many people that have met yeah. on dating apps and websites than those who, you know. Yeah. Like this idea like meeting in the grocery store, that's like an ancient <laughs> idea. But yeah. there are also inherent right. pitfalls, let me just say. Right, yeah. For, for me, I, I would say the same thing. Like, what's the reason? So if we're super desperate and can't find anybody else and we're super lonely, so I'm going to download X, Y, and Z, it seems like a bad motivation to me. Um, Finding somebody on a dating app, do I think that's sinful? No. I think that you are going into it and choosing your battles because you have a lot more questions than answers at that point. Mm. You're basing somebody off a profile, right? And so when you see a profile, anybody could say anything. You don't know if you have any mutual friends. And I think one of the best ways to date is in community. And so when you do that, there's a potential of dating outside of community. So I think it's good. But I love that, what you just said yes. about motivation. Yeah. Because what you just said is my motivation. What did you say? Yeah, or am I lonely? Am I desperate? Yeah, am I lonely? Am I desperate? Okay, so then maybe if that's, if you, if your answer to that is yes, maybe that's not a good thing for you to do. But if your motivation is, I work 60 hours a week, I have all these extracurricular things that I'm involved in, but I'm never anywhere where I'm meeting new people and I just want to see. Like maybe then, maybe that's, it's all about your heart motivation. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. People are about to get on Christian Mingle tonight. Hey. Um, all right. Pressure's off the singles. 
I'm gonna talk to my man, Jermaine. Catch your breath. Have a sip of water. You guys did. You guys did great. Uh, Jermaine, I asked to uh, teach on the topic of friendship because Jermaine is one of uh, my best friends and one of my best friends. Yeah. So as a friend, he is one of the best, and he's also one of my friends. That is one of my best friends. And I thought he could bring so much to the table of how to be self-sacrificing and pour yourself out. And and you wrote a whole message. You you said it. You called me yeah. a couple nights before you were to preach it and said, I think I'm rewriting my entire message because I don't want it to be a list of to-dos, but a to-be's. Yeah, and, I always thought pastors lied about stuff like that when they're like, man, you know, I was about to come on stage and God gave me another sermon to preach. Right. And that's what really happened. Like I had a whole <laughs> title. It was like I told you guys, it was called It's Not It's Not You, It's Me. And it was a, great title. a list. Love it was a great title. I thought the sermon was going to be fire. But well, this probably one was would have great. been, I mean, but it was the the, the 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 one you shared was phenomenal. I mean, I think one of the one of the. Uh, biggest lines that a lot of people latched onto was uh, the unmerciful friend destroys relationships. Yeah. The merciful friend defines relationships. Yeah. And the power in that of when there is an offense, you have a choice of how you react. And the unmerciful one allows it, allows the cavern to exist and allows the offense to stay. The merciful one rushes in Correct. So good. to redefine us and say, hey, e- even though I was mad at you, yeah. I forgive you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I call it the uh, mercy measurement. Mm. So I'll hold on to that one too. Uh, but basically, um, it, it's basically how how you see yourself. Um, so some people, I guess, you can see yourself in one way as um, I would say, in, in not in, entitled might be the right word, but really kind of a, a, a high level view of of yourself. And you may think that, hey, you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm all that. You know, like look at me, I'm all that in a bag of chips and you know dip and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and or you could look at yourself, you know, sense in a sense of a, a lowly way. Uh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And what, and what mercy does is it redefines everyone, yeah. puts everyone on the same wow. field. So you have you have no basis to look at anyone um, outside of the, basically how God looks at you. And so all of us, in a sense, have have sinned in such a way that we have. Uh, we have no standing with God, and it's only because of what he has done for us yeah. that brings us into relationship. So then how can I then hold this type of offense towards wow. somebody wow. else? And so that's yeah. that's what the, you know, that's what mercy does in a sense. It redefines us by mercy, so we then must, we must walk in mercy. Yeah, because in the culture that we're living in right now, this cancel culture, you make a mistake, you're exiled, exactly. right? Exactly. I feel like that plays such a big role, not just in like strangers or celebrities or politicians or whatever, but in friendships. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, how does that get cultivated in our lives? Like, how do we develop a relationship? Or maybe what if my f- other friend like isn't merciful? Like, how does that play out in our lives? And well, I mean, it starts. I mean, it goes back to I mean, that's why I had to kind of start the message from the beginning, because in the beginning, we, we don't know, we don't know what love is until we have met the one who has, wow. who is love, right? Yeah. Um, who, who is, who is our friend, who is the best friend? I mean, otherwise, uh, we're doing it out of our kind of our own understanding or what culture tells us. Um, and so, and so ultimately it always starts with knowing God and being transformed by him, being transformed by that mercy. And ultimately it doesn't really matter. I think you would have more success um, in a friendship relationship, again, like I like guess I told you my story in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, you would have more more success um, in 
if it's just you, you know, if you have a friend that's unmerciful, I think your friendship would be more successful, even if your friend, in a sense, isn't responding in a way that you would want them to. Even in your marriage, if, if your wife or spouse isn't responding in a way that you want them to, but if you are loving them in, in a way that God has called you to, I think that's what God can use. I mean, ultimately, if you both are unmerciful, the relationship is over. So it just really depends on if you value the person or not. Yeah. And I just have one more question. I know I'm, I might be grilling you, but sure. with that idea of mercy being a real foundation of our relationship, does that mean that we have no standards in a friendship? Like, do we accept everything because we're merciful? Or like, is there a point? Do you, does that make sense? Like, that, makes, that makes sense. Um, that's a really good question. So um, I would say no. You, you, do, you do have to have standards, right, right. Um, in a sense. But that doesn't mean you don't love the person, um, mm. right? So there's a difference yeah. between... Um, you know, putting yourself in situations that are volatile to, to you and toxic towards you. But then also, in a sense, if there's opportunities to love in a way that God has called you to love, you, yeah. you can't be disobedient in that way. Uh, I mean, you can, in a sense, if a, um, I mean, yeah. So ultimately, I just think about if there's an opportunity where this person, I'll say it like this, if this person um, who has done you wrong, I think this is where the mercy measurement comes in play is when the person has done you wrong, but then they come back to you. Mm. And say, hey, you know what? Um, I I I apologize. I shouldn't have done that. That and there is an opportunity for you in that moment to really be like, you know what? I, I, you don't deserve my you know acceptance of your apology. You know what you said to me, what you did to me, yeah. how you treated me. You know, I I don't I don't need you in my life. And so right. I think I think in that that would be an ungodly response based on the mercy that he has he That's has good. expressed yeah. towards us. If someone were to ask, were to say to you, I, I'll still be your friend, but I'm going to love you from, yeah, a, from distance. a distance. Yeah, love you from is that possible to love somebody, to really, by his definition, mm-hmm. is it possible to love somebody from a distance? Is it possible? I mean, I love Pastor Corey from a distance. Uh, <laughs> well. From a distance. <laughs> I, and I receive that. <laughs> Stay over there. <laughs> I don't want you. That's real love, man. That's real love. Uh, I mean... Uh, yes, I think I think I have counseled couples in this with I- issues with family, and I think there is a place for healthy boundaries. Yeah. I think you can be reconciled to somebody in right standing with somebody, and it be wisest for them to not be an active part of your life because of what it brings out of you. There, if there are people that br- elicit a, a sinful, frustrated, dis- hateful reaction, you probably well you need to investigate your heart. But then I probably wouldn't throw myself into those environments, right? If I've got a gambling problem, I'm not going to rush into casinos just to hang out, right? Um, can, can I, can I yeah. say something? And you, you, you embodied all of this in your relationship with your father-in-law. Yeah. Correct. I mean, like, you loved him from, from a distance. I did. I loved and, him from a distance. And, and yet the, the distance, you were always ready to take that one step closer in reconciliation, Right. But but knowing that the process required patience, going back to what you said about patience and the challenge of patience and being pushed into patience. And I mean, I I, I really I really was thankful for the courage that it took for you to take your story, your uh, a journey. that I mean, I've I've watched it from a distance for years and know a little bit of the context. And um, that sounded really simple in the five minutes that you told the story, that five minutes was, it wrung you out as a man. Yeah. 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 And to watch you navigate it, I just, I, I just want to 
acknowledge your courage and, and, and the way by which the gospel has been seen through the way you responded to it uh, and were recipients of it. So I, I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. There's a person in the chat that sent a question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them to take it offline with you, but the question is your story. Okay. The question is how do you interact with in-laws when you know they don't like you or they like you, but they even if they don't realize it, they have a prejudice against you and your race. Mm-hmm. So, hey, if, if, if you ask that tonight in the chat, I hope this is okay. I trust it's okay. You're a pastor, and this is yeah. your story. I would encourage you to either reach out at info at gracecove.org to get connected with Pastor Jermaine. And if you could find a time to walk that. I mean, that's a, that's a years in the making kind of a story to walk through that. And you told the cliff notes. I mean, you told the, the very quick. Correct. But I just encourage you, if that's you, and that was your question, Seek, seek help on that because his testimony will help you. All right, Amen. let me throw a couple more questions. I just want to say one yeah, go ahead. Romans twelve eighteen. I feel like sums this up. As long as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm wondering, as long as it depends on me, who's, who's responsible for the distance? Is it me or is it them? As long as it's up to me, it's our That's job good. to live peaceably That's with everybody. Good. Okay, we're rapid fire questions, then we're gonna move into marriage. All right, and then we got a lot. We got a lot of questions on marriage, so we're gonna we're gonna crack into that. So, rapid fire: How do you handle constant rejection when it feels like no one wants you? Whether it comes to dating or even trying to get to know somebody, how do you handle constant rejection? Ah, uh, that's a good one. Um, I'm gonna answer the question by saying this. About 15 years ago, um, I told my mentor that uh, all the wrong types of guys are approaching me. And I keep getting these guys who say crude things or have off-color, you know, comments or whatever. And I was telling her, like, it's really getting to me. Like, it's really bothering me, and I just don't. She said something to me that rocked my world. She said... Well, if it's happening all the time, then it's something that you're giving off. I'm like, what? How could you say that to me? You're supposed to mentor me. And it really made me start to look at myself like, what am I doing that's giving off or creating an invitation for this person to treat me that way or to talk to me a kind of way or to even use me and just keep it moving? And I'm not saying that rejection is your fault, but I'm saying that if, it, if there's something that's happening repetitively in your life, that's something that you can take to Jesus and say, show me, like, illuminate this. Like, show me where the root of this is. Is there something that I need to be doing differently that, that maybe you want me to see by allowing this pattern to continue? Good, good. Um, how do you, singles, back on the hot seat, and really this is for everybody, but I'm putting you guys back on the hot seat. How do you confirm with God and community, so those around you, that you're ready to be in a relationship? How do you get that confirmation from God, you know, I want to date this person, maybe I got the right person, I think I'm ready to enter into it. How do you know that that's like blessed by God and then particularly by those around you? Like what are the signals, signs, what do you look for? Yeah, no, that's I it's it's I feel like you I feel like you kind of answered it in the question. The answer is the question. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Cuz that's what that's the advice I would give is a few things. Are you running wholeheartedly after Jesus? Are they running wholeheartedly after Jesus? What does your community say? 
and, and pursue it that way. Because I think, like I said, in community is one of the best ways to date. I, I think that finding finding their friends, finding your friends, we should be friends, switch and meet friends, right? Whatever. I'm just, <laughs> that Jermaine anointing is I on know, you. Right? I just the caught it. Singing, it's so singing I, in I, the sermon. I looked at you and I was like, I don't know why I got this. Um, but really, how, how, how does that happen? As I think you honestly go to those people. If you have a mentor, go to your mentor. Yeah. If you have a community group, your small group, go right. to your small group. Ask the people who know you intimately if they think that you're in a place to date. Good. And then you have to try and if I recommend, honestly, going to their friends. I know that sounds like inappropriate, but ask, is this a relationship that you could see happening? If I know somebody and I'm interested in somebody, I would want as much wisdom as possible saying, do you think that this is a wise decision for me to engage in this relationship Um, all under God? And with the understanding that the people who are running wholeheartedly after Jesus, if you're running wholeheartedly after Jesus, there's there's grace in that. It's good. All right. Let's switch. Now we're single. We've dated. We've gotten engaged. Now we're married. All right? So let's talk about marriage. We've got a lot of questions about marriage um, because marriage is, is great. It's the best. It's the best. It's, it's the a be- gift. It's a gift. It is a true gift. I mean, I think um, I, I said it in my thing. You know, married people just have, have, have daily opportunities to express the gospel because every day, you're offending somebody or somebody is offending you in the small stuff. You know, I'm, it's, you know, you know, let's not be dramatic. Like, you know, our, we are fighting all the time with our spouses, but with the little stuff, right? And that's when you're married. This is what bubbles up and all the young couples I walk with. It's the little things. It's these little things. That, well, we didn't talk about, like we were talking, well, that didn't come up in premarital about like where you leave those clothes and where you put this yeah. thing or your personality mo- in these moments. Like that didn't come up. Right. Now I got some issues. And it's, it's just your daily, it's your daily opportunity to apply the gospel. Um, but here's a great question. This is, this is our highest scored question. Uh, everybody wants to know. Uh, how do you determine if you need actual marriage counseling or if you just need discipleship? How do you know? If you're in a marriage relationship, how do you know the line between, like, we need counseling, we need help, or we need discipleship? You want to take a step? Yeah, um, I, I think I have been defined and marked by both, mm-hmm. um, and am a, uh, I, I, I have been defined by both. I love both. Um, when it comes to the lifestyle of a married couple, discipleship is your go-to. Yeah. That is an ongoing, that is the language that you speak as a couple that is the medicine that you take on a daily basis. It is ongoing. It, it, it has no end. Uh, you have to have a couple that is peering into the dark places within your world and helping you find Christ in it. You have to have that. But then there are times that there are roots that go deep. trauma that's been undealt with, yeah. and you have to deal with it. And I, we... Thankfully, our culture, even within the church, has changed where, where we, we encourage counseling. Yeah. Right. Like, that is not some taboo, yeah. right? Like, yeah. that, that is a means of grace right. of yeah. someone, especially yeah. someone who loves Jesus and loves you. Yeah. And is helping you find freedom through an environment where someone is trained. Yeah. And, and it, is, it is powerful. It's defining. But that... Uh, I, I would even encourage 
even when things aren't in an emergency state, yes. for you to consider yeah. having a checkup, yes. right? I mean, in the same way that we have our cars checked up, I mean, we check up everything, including our bodies. Why not have a, a consideration of that, our marriages being so checked up yeah. through the eyes of someone, again, who cares about us? But yeah. again, I, when, when there is, when there is a, 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 an ongoing, repetitive situation, a Good. theme that just seems to creep back up, that might be a sign it's time to get this thing looked at. Yeah, that's good. I think the way that I would answer that question is that uh, everybody needs discipleship. So there's not a single relationship good. that's not in need of discipleship. And, and we all, I mean, it's one of our core values. It's a, it's yeah. a thing that defines us as a church is discipleship. So... Um, we all need it. Nobody doesn't need to. We're, Michelle and I still walk with your parents. They did our premarital prep uh, 12 years ago, and we still meet with them monthly just to check in and see how we're doing and help us with parenting and these things. Like, we're still walking through that process of discipleship with them. Yeah, and that's my question is as a single, what does discipleship look like in a marriage? What does that, what does that mean? Do you just meet with somebody who you're friends with and you guys just have coffee once a month and you talk about deep things? Or what is like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you, it's just transparency. It's just the same thing. You have discipleship with, you know, whoever you meet with. Like for me, I mean, I me personally, I meet with, you know, Pastor Duke, Pastor Brett, you know, Elder Will Watson, Elder JC, Elder Keith, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, hey, look, I'm, I'm an open book. Tell me a whole how, how you, to fix myself, right? Yeah. You know, that's why he's That's why his marriage is so good. <laughs> that's why his marriage is That's what yeah. it takes. That's what it takes for me. I'm just saying, like, if I don't have that, I'm a mess. Uh, and I think, you know, in a sense, that's been modeled for my wife as well. So she she has other women that are speaking into her life. And so for us, there's all there's just kind of an open transparency. So when we get together with Pastor Duke and Kathy or with uh, David Montgomery and Karen Montgomery or Elder JC and Rosa, you know, it's it's here is our life. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. what's well, this is what we are. And it's just casual conversation. But really, it's just, hey, you know, you you ask us a question. We're going to answer it honestly. And then yeah. we're open about uh, with you know our emotions that we're dealing with each other, and I think it's just just being transparent. And it's, I think it's a desire to want to grow mm. and want a relationship Good. to be the best. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we we live in a world where we have brands and we promote those brands. Namely, you know, when it comes to social media, we work to to promote a type of look of a family yeah. or husband wife. And you, you're known, but you're unknown when it comes to who you are as a couple. Yeah, good. And so there's this, it's normal to be so isolated because you're working to self-preserve. Yeah. And what the wow. gospel invites us into is to push against self-preservation and now do the unthinkable, yeah. which is now drag your life into the light with wow. someone else wow. to be yeah. fully known. Yeah. And I think the lie of the enemy is to make you think that you're the only one. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's to make you think like we're the only ones that have. Look at them. They're over there holding hands and booed up. But I guarantee any place you go, the grocery store, church, look at any couple you see, they got stuff just like you got stuff. Yep. And it's, it's, we're all in the same space. We all need that, Grace. I love this. Um, singles, make sure you're taking notes because discipleship is just not for single people. It, you don't, you know, you do it. Even when you get married, I love that because that gives us a foundation to keep going, you know, Good. to keep doing discipleship. Even when you get married, it doesn't just stop. That's it. Okay, question from the uh, audience tonight. Um, 
related to marriage, when you're in a busy season, you feel exhausted, how do you still love and pursue your spouse when day to day, man, you just want to shut down? End of the day comes, you're just exhausted. You got so much going on with the kids, with work, with all of this. How do you do that? How do you fight for that? How do you press through? I, well, I, think, for, I think for me, um, the, one of the things that my wife has said to me multiple times is that there's power in a clean kitchen. I mean, she said that. And starting her day in the morning with a clean kitchen is just so important to her. And she doesn't force me to do, to do that. But I mean, if we're talking about self-sacrifice and wringing yourself out for the betterment of those that you love, um, that's one practical thing that I try to do. I, don't, I'm, I'm, I still have gaps with that. But I, I really aim to, even at 9 o'clock at night, when I'm, I am done, yeah. I'm just done, and, and I am doing what I can to put this kitchen back together as an act of love to support wow. and to serve my bride. I mean, it, wow. It really makes me think of, again, the point you made in your first sermon, love is marked by self-sacrifice. Yep. And for me, the answer to this question just goes into, it's a question of, of where you're prioritizing your yeah. energy, right? Yep. And... And if the last thing on your list is my spouse, well, then that, that's where the problem is. Because the list then goes, you know, me, my work, my kids, my job, my responsibilities, my this, my that, my whatever, my commute, yada, yada. And then my husband or my wife, well, well you're not ever going to fix that until that priority moves. And so whether that means you got to take a day off of work. I mean, listen, we're not saying you need to be lovey-dovey, happy, you know, romantic every minute of every day, but you pick your spots. You pick your spots. So if that means you need to take a half day out work so you have the energy, if you need, means you need to plan ahead and right. create some space, then you need to plan ahead and create some space. Wow. It sounds to me like it, I mean, this is gold for me. It sounds to me like it's don't sacrifice your spouse, sacrifice everything else. Like if need be. That, yeah, like I mean, we like, sacrifice that sleep, or maybe because you like, can write in everything else on your calendar except your spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. No, you write your calendar. You write your spouse into your calendar, and then you write everything else. Yeah. So if that whatever that looks like, it could be ten minutes a day, but you write that time in. And what, if your spouse is too busy and he doesn't, he or she doesn't want to be involved, say, hey, I'm going to be downstairs at this time every morning praying for us and praying for our marriage. If you'd like to join me, I'd love to have you. Yeah, and I, w- I would say, I say this to every couple, I say with, learn their love language and then learn how to speak their love language because you may pour yourself out planning this big romantic yes. night of whatever and that just doesn't fill their love tank. No. And they have no interest in that. And what they really want is, is your words, yeah. is for you to speak to them. Or what they really want is, is you to look them in the eyes for 20 minutes and just put your phone down and connect. Or what they really want is for you to just sit right next to them and express physical touch. And if we speak our love language to someone who doesn't speak our love language, you're going to be so frustrated Very and good. so exhausted and pouring yourself out to no effect. Um, okay, a couple more questions because we are up on our time, but there's some good ones in here. Um, uh, Jermaine, when should married couples have children? Rapid fire. When should married couples have children? <laughs> they should have children. They should, they should have children. I mean, it says be fruitful and multiply. But I would say whenever, whenever you are ready to do it. And I would say whenever, whenever there's both, for me personally, this is what I would say, whenever there are both parties are uh, ready. Good. Um, so, yeah. 
Christine, what are some practical ways for women, and Tiffany, uh, practical ways for women to prepare for marriage or for her future husband? How do you prepare now for your future husband? Oh, I love Practical that. ways. Yeah, um, some awesome things are to read The Power uh, of a Praying Wife. Good. Um, that book is amazing. It, it, although it is for married women, it gives you some key things that you can learn. Also, learn um, if you're not cooking, cook. <laughs> you know, um, if you're... If you're um, if your credit is low, start building your credit. Good. I mean, these are just things nice. I'll let you That's add. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Or pray for a husband who cooks. Shout out to MDF. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah, that too. Hey, I agree with that. Shout out to MDF. He is back, baby. I would say practical ways. Practice deference. Practice deferring to other people on your job, in your circles of influence. Practice deferring. Practice patience practice it yeah. find the person that bothers you the most like i said and practice with them practice wow. changing your face when you feel a kind of way practice I, it stand in the mirror practice. and look in the mirror and make your face a certain way and look away and feel how it feels and look back and make sure practice pastor practice. tiffany pastor tiffany should women date men who are in extreme debt and don't know how to budget no, sorry, sis. You shouldn't. You should tell him, I think you're a great guy. I really am attracted to you, actually. And you seem like a person that I would really enjoy being with. But when I marry, I want to submit my entire life to somebody. And that means that you have to be able to lead me. And in this area over here, so you wouldn't just like just, it's not just, just like help him teach no. him. No, you wouldn't like engage him. No, say, hey, because then I'm gonna have money. to teach him my whole marriage. Mm. Oh. Another man can teach him. I'll send him to you. There you go. There you go. I think the thing. <laughs> listen, we, we, I say it like, like this: Ma- marriage doesn't change a single no. thing about you. No, it doesn't. It doesn't change a thing about you. Whatever you were addicted to before, whatever you struggled with before, gonna... whatever you couldn't do before, you don't get married and then all of a sudden those things are fixed and cured and you're all better. You are the same person. The next day. I mean, unless you don't want your finances to be managed well. So you marry their debt? You marry their debt? You marry their or unless he wants to relinquish all the financial responsibilities to you and you. And and if if you're a dude out there who has terrible credit, there's hope for you, too. That I mean, this at the end of the day, this is about this is a discipleship moment. Right. Mm. Where where a part of you where lordship invitation is being made. That, that we as a church want to join you. We have multiple classes that can support you. Again, don't feel yeah. the, the, the punitive fist coming at you. There's hope for you. And that. this is a moment for you to wage war on that. That's great. Yeah. That's great. A lot of questions about how to prepare yourself for marriage. I'll just say this. We have offerings at Grace for that. If you're dating, we have a small group that's called Discovery, and it's walking through the process of a book called Single, Dating, Engaged, Married, you can take it as a single, you can take it uh, with a person you're dating. Christine, singles ministry, tell me if somebody wants to uh, prepare for dating or learn and, and explore their identity as a single, yeah. how could they get connected? Um, so you can connect with us, our singles group. Uh, you can email singles at gracecove.org. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube um, at GCC Singles Ministry. Um, we're actually doing a study right now. We're doing that same study, single single dating, engaged and married with um Elder JC and, and Ms. Rosa. So um, it, it starts early. The preparation for these things start early. So connect with us. We would love to, to walk with you. 
That's a great. If you are engaged and you're preparing for marriage, we have marriage prep class we've run twice a year. Highly recommend you take it. Find somebody to mentor, walk with uh, uh, this journey with you and teach you these things. Uh, you don't know what you don't know. My wife and I, we felt like we had a really strong relationship group in the church, parents still together, you know, checking all the boxes, high achievers. So, you know, we, we you know, we it do it all right. Yep. And then we sat with Duke and Kathy Bendix. And we learned that we didn't know what we didn't know. And there was a lot about marriage that we had no idea. So if you're wow. not prepared, you're going to learn those things one way or the other. I encourage <laughs> Tell us. Oh, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. Yeah. Well, whisper. I'm just saying. <laughs> Those for me and Pastor Tiffany, not for the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. It's real. I, mean, everyone, <laughs> yeah. I think everyone's sorry. <laughs> no, but, but, there, but there are people to walk with you and give those answers. Yeah. If you're in a marriage right now and you have questions that didn't get answered or questions that you didn't feel comfortable asking but you need help, you can email marriage at gracecove.org. That email goes to my wife and myself, and we will plug you in with resources, connect you with a pastor, connect you with a counselor, or with a class, or a community. I mean, there's lots of ways to walk through this. Um, You can't do life alone. You can't do singleness alone. You definitely can't do marriage alone. There is power when we do these things together. My marriage, my relationships, I speak on behalf of all of you, are enriched, strengthened, and protected because none of us are doing it by ourselves. We are an open book with others. We have people looking into our lives, and we're listening to the teaching that comes from those who have gone before, whether elders or pastors who have poured into us. And that has built for us a foundation on, not, on, on which not only can we build something that lasts, but we build then a covering that others can come under. And when you look at your relationship, your legacy like that, it's not, I don't get married just so I can be happy and I can have kids to pass things on to, but my marriage becomes a living testament to the love of Christ. My marriage, my singleness, my identity, how I walk and talk about myself and talk about God becomes a reflection of what I understand of who God made me to be, what he has done for me, how he has redefined me and my life. And so everything about me looks counter to the world. And that might just be the best testimony you ever have to reach someone with the gospel.